Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week. What will the week hold? Well, we're going to find out. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Join me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley also by email, Podcast at gmail.com. All right, we've got big shows coming up this week, including a very special and very funny guest coming up later in the week. You are not going to want to miss this, I promise you. We've got to lighten things up once in a while <laughs> on the show uh, because we handle a lot of heavy stuff. So later in the week, we're going to have some laughs and we're going to have a great, great time again, with a special surprise guest. So sit tight for that. And we've got some other big things lined up for the week and actually the weeks ahead. Speaking of heavy duty, today's show is a necessary show. As you all know, we've spent a lot of time over the past year plus that I've been doing this podcast talking about the mRNA shots, the virus, what really happened in Wuhan, and all of the dangers and lies that we have been subjected to over the last uh, three years by the security state, but also by the public health apparatus in this country, which, you know, both are ostensibly there to protect us 
to protect the American people in the United States. And yet both entities have really been weaponized against us in really dangerous ways. We're going to continue that conversation today because I am delighted to welcome Steve Kirsch. Steve is a former high-tech serial entrepreneur. He is the American dream. He's also an engineer with two degrees from MIT. He retired a little while back, and he's now an independent investigative journalist. So you know you can trust his work because he is independent, he is not part of the corporate media, which we all know is incredibly corrupt. He wrote a piece, and actually piece is probably uh, the inaccurate word to describe this because it's a 250-page article. It's more of a book, and it's called Should You Get Vaccinated? And that really set him on this incredible journey of exposing the truth um, and really exposing all of the lies, particularly on these so-called vaccines, which are really gene therapy, mRNA shots. He, um, he has been all over, and he has been telling the truth wherever possible. You should check out his substack. It's Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H dot substack dot com. It's an extraordinary substack if you really want to know, know the truth about VAC safety and all of the corruption, the censorship, the mandates, masking, all of it. Uh, check out his Substack. He's doing really important work uh, there. And also the website vaxsafety.org, V-A-C, safety.org. Please check that out if you want to uh, become even more informed on all of this as you already are. In the face of enormous pressure, he has continued to tell us the truth, and he joins us now. Steve, Welcome. Uh, thanks, Monica. It's great to be here. Well, it's so good to have you here. I've been a, an admirer of your work over the past three years on all of this. You've really been something of a cruise missile for the truth on these mRNA shots. So there's a lot to get to with you. And I'd like to start with what the FDA did uh, a couple of days ago. There's the bivalent vaccines, the monovalent vaccines. They pulled the monovalent vaccines off the emergency authorization use. Can you tell us what the difference in those two shots are, bivalent versus monovalent, and what the FDA did a couple of days ago? Yeah, essentially what the FDA did is is said that, you know, we, we had this original vaccine that was targeted uh, to uh, vaccine strains that don't exist anymore. And so we're going to pull that uh, from the market so that people aren't confused, presumably, and that people will be getting the uh, the variation that is supposed to be directed at the newer variants. And so it's the equivalent of the FDA saying, we're going to pull last year's flu shot off the market because it's last year's variant, and we're going to just focus on this year's uh, flu shot. And so uh, not entirely unexpected for them to do that uh, because there are different strains. And what they're trying to do is, is they're, they're trying to do the same thing with the COVID vaccine that they are with flu shots. And if you look at the data on flu shots, it doesn't work because the flu keeps changing and modifying. And they say it's, oh, well, it's only going to be, you know, 30% effective if you happen to match the variant. But it ends up being a complete waste of time uh, when you actually look at the numbers. And so they're doing the same thing here. They're trying to chase 
a, a virus which mutates too rapidly. And they're doing it uh, by saying, well, let's reformulate every year or every six months and give you the new, the, the latest upgrade. But in fact, it hasn't been working and it's been actually doing the opposite. And so it's, they basically don't have a way uh, to protect people from these newer variants. And the best protection is actually getting the virus and being infected and then getting immunity. And it turns out that the more recently you've been infected, the least, the less likely you are uh, to be infected again. And so natural immunity is actually working exactly as expected, uh, but it's not perfect, right? So people, the point is that for this virus, that even natural immunity won't protect you from getting it again. So if you've had Omicron once, it's actually really unlikely you're going to get Omicron again. But if you haven't had Omicron and you've had an earlier variant, you can still get Omicron. It's, it's less likely uh, the more recently you were infected. So uh, that's the way it works with natural infection. Now, with vaccines, it works the kind of the opposite. The more vaccines you have, the more likely you are to be infected. And it's almost linear uh, with that. And, and that was shown in a study that was done at the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, it, was, it was pretty devastating because the same researchers tested natural immunity and found that, yeah, natural immunity actually works, but vaccination does the opposite. The more vaccines, the worse it gets. And so what the FDA is doing is they're still going off the old playbook of vaccines work, and we're going to just do essentially uh, the same thing with this vaccine as we do with the the flu shot, saying that there's a new one every year and, and you should get it. And so I, I'm expecting that this bivalent, uh, the current bivalent booster will then be unapproved and that there'll be a new one in a year from now as the, the virus continues to mutate. But the right strategy for anyone is to avoid all these vaccines totally and just use early treatment protocols. So you said a lot there and I want to unpack uh, much of what you said. So first, you know, I remember at the, in the early days of this pandemic, uh, listening to a Dutch researcher named Geert van der Bosch, and I know you're familiar with him, and I remember him putting up these videos saying that the worst time to mass vaccinate was at the height of a pandemic because you end up chasing the virus and basically boxing it in by mass vaccination, not allowing natural herd immunity to really develop. And you end up, because you're putting pressure on the virus, you end up generating a lot more and even more potent variants than you would if you let the virus just run its course. Is that, in fact, what has happened here? Uh, this it, it appears that Gert was correct. Um, if you look at, at what's happened, uh, he's basically been right on the whole time. And of course, this is why people don't want to listen to him 
because he's been right. I mean, it, it, it's it's sort of paradoxical uh, that the government should be listening to the people who were right and who were right at the very beginning and have been right all along. And instead what they do is they ignore those people. And so it's, it's a, it's confusing. Yeah. So, you know, Gert's been one of those people who's been uh, predicted. Everything he's predicted has come true. And of course, nobody listens to him. I, I don't know how you explain that, but I haven't been able to to get into a discussion with anyone, and neither has anyone else, uh, who's counter narrative that the people who are in charge won't debate any of the people who uh, don't agree with the policies, and they won't talk about any of the policies. So, being right means most likely that you're going to be ignored. And it's a, a really unfortunate case because Geert and so many others have been right about this, but our public health officials are not interested in public health, and they haven't been since the onset of this pandemic. It's all about politics and bigger and darker agendas, I think, which we can also get into. You mentioned natural immunity. Um, it, it, you mentioned the Cleveland Clinic study the, the natural immunity, if you contract the virus naturally and you're sick for a little bit and then you recover, is your natural immunity, does it persist longer and is it stronger than anything you could get from the mRNA shots? Uh, so the answer to that is that it appears that, that, that the data shows that you're the, the natural, that there, there's no comparison. Uh, it's it, it, it's not even a close call. Uh, so the natural immunity, you, I mean, you're getting exposed to, to, to the real thing and your immune system, that's what your immune system is programmed to uh, to fight and to remember. And so as you get more variants, it, it doesn't mean that for this virus, because it mutates, it doesn't mean that your immunity is forever, but it's going to be much less likely that you're going to be die or be hospitalized if you're uh, if you have the natural immunity because you're seeing all parts of the virus. And so, uh, it's it, it's just no no comparison. I mean, it, it is it is like night and day. Now, the whole point of, of of vaccines, by the way, was to mimic the antigen and was to to try to get as close as possible to getting your immune system to try to see the real thing. But it's always, you know, you're, for vaccines, it's always an imitation and there are always downsides of, or I'd say probably almost always, because I can't say always, but uh, in, in virtually all the cases, they're, they're downsides of, of taking vaccines. And so you have to weigh uh, the uh, uh, the benefits and the risks, and for this vaccine, it's not even close. I mean, the 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 risks are way way bigger than the the benefits. And there was a nice uh, paper that looked at the uh, morbidities, which mean uh, uh, so not the mortality. That's when you die, but the morbidities is when you get sick. And they looked at all cause morbidity. Uh, from these vaccines, and it was statistically significant, highly statistically significant, that the the vaccines made you worse off 
uh, in terms of morbidity. In other words, uh, your chance of being hospitalized or having an adverse event uh, versus um, versus not getting uh, getting the placebo. Uh, uh, so the point the point is that that the vaccine that this vaccine didn't make any sense at all on on any of the uh, parameters. Bottom line is is you always want to get uh, naturally infected. You can't do better than the real thing. It's it's the difference. It's it's like any kind of medical procedure. You know, I, there isn't a single medical procedure that, uh, as far as I know, that replaces anything in your body with something that's actually better. Right? There's mm-hmm. always it's always like we can make it almost as good as what you were given by nature, but we can never make it as good. And so the same thing is true with, with, with vaccines. We can, um, we can get close for some of these, like, you know, for measles um, um, or chicken pox and what have you, we can get very close so that we can give, if, if you got a vaccine shot, then you do get immunity for, for life. Okay. Cause these, these don't, uh, uh, they don't mutate. And so you can get very close f- for those, but for something like this, which which mutates, very hard uh, to get close to this, and and so therefore the the natural immunity is is, is always much better. So to that point, and this is a really big question: um, these mRNA shots do appear to be immunosuppressive. And you can tell us if there's research to back that up. But that when you get these shots. Um, it actually has the effect of suppressing the natural immune system. In other words, suppressing your body's natural ability to fight off, well, everything, which is why people, the more shots they get, the more vulnerable they are to contracting symptomatic COVID, and as you say, hospitalization and even death from COVID, but also other things. They're more vulnerable to the flu. They're more vulnerable to cancer because it's suppressing your body's ability to fight all these things off. I just talked to uh, one of my doctors a couple of weeks ago. She was telling me there there is a cancer boom in America. I mean, we're seeing cancer cases, people who had been in remission, those cancers coming raging back, new cancers appearing, and so on. Can you, Steve, speak to the immunosuppressive nature of these shots? What you said is, is true. And in fact, um, Senator uh, Dianne Feinstein uh, is a case in point. Uh, Senator Feinstein was highly promoting the vaccines. There is probably no doubt that she got as many vaccines as she could possibly get, as many COVID vaccines as she could possibly get. And she developed shingles, and it has put her, uh, it it may kill her, uh, and shingles doesn't normally kill you, uh, but she has been out of the Senate uh, for, I think it's close to a um, year. I thought it was close to a year now. I don't know the exact date, but she's been out for a long time uh, because of her, her shingles diagnosis. And that's not normal. Uh, This would be considered uh, very rare, uh, but it's not when you have the shot. In fact, one of the first things that people realized when the shots first rolled out, was that shingles was being reactivated in people who got the shots, not in people who didn't get the shots, 
But in people who got the shots, there would be this huge uh, occurrence of, of shingles. And I, I remember my wife was uh, at, uh, she was playing golf and, and uh, uh, this was very shortly after the, the shots rolled out. And uh, one of the conversations that happened was that, oh, sorry, my wife can't uh, join us. Um, she's had, uh, she got a recurrence of shingles and, and of course the other, uh, uh, the people she was playing golf with were, were definitely, uh, vaccinated. And so I, you know, I, a personal, uh, connection, uh, with this, but, but certainly all the stories that I hear that, that we hear this, uh, oh, shingles is reactivated. There are these turbo cancers that are happening. And there's uh, there are a variety of of mechanisms uh, for this that the vaccine is essentially uh, destroying uh, various parts, and it's not a single part of your immune system. And uh, the the differences are quite significant, uh, sort of the, the before and after. And so that explains why we're seeing these turbo cancers, <coughs> people uh, developing. In fact, it's very common for people to get the vaccine and then develop COVID right after they get the vaccine. I've, I've heard just lots of cases mm-hmm. where that's happened. So, again, it's like this thing is is uh, sort of God's gift to to pharma in terms of it's it's actually causing way more disease uh, than it's curing, and it's uh, it's it's tragic that the doctors are looking the other way and saying it's not related. In fact, I know someone uh, who got shot early on. He was the chief medical officer at one of the top uh, universities in the country, top medical um, hospitals as well. And so he got the shot and developed uh, a uh, uh, atrial fibrillation right after he got the shot, uh, almost like within you know, like the next day. And uh, so they treated him for him. They had to go under surgery uh, to treat the AFib. And so now he's AFib free. <clears throat> so then the doctor tells him, okay, it's time for your second shot. Mm. And so he's AFib free. He gets the second shot, develops AFib uh, within hours after the second shot. And the doctors say, okay, uh, no more shots for you. But th- this is at, at UCSF. <laughs> and, and, of course, the doctors then did not write it up and submit it to a, a medical journal to say, hey, there's there's clear re-challenge here. This guy got AFib. He was given the shot. He got AFib. Uh, he was cured of AFib, got the shot again. He then developed AFib again. And that is... Uh, pretty much a uh, a sure sign of causality. And they didn't write it up. They didn't submit any papers. They didn't tell anyone. They kept quiet about it. And so this happens over and over again. You know, there are, there are a huge number of people, probably my estimates are probably half a million people uh, with AFib that they got from the COVID vaccine. And a lot of people don't realize it. Some people got it fairly uh, soon after they got the shot. Other people developed it. I have a friend who developed it uh, almost two years after he got the shot. 
Now, whether the shot was responsible for his AFib, hard to know because it's so far out, but certainly there's a huge correlation uh, between the shots and AFib. I, I looked at, uh, when my friend got it, I looked in the uh, the Veris database and it was off the charts. You know, for this vaccine, the, the number of AFib cases was like 5,000 and the number of AFib cases for all the vaccines combined wasn't even close uh, to that over 30 years. So this vaccine in just a couple of years has had, you know, close to half a million, somewhere around on the order of my, my guess is, is around half a million uh, cases of AFib. Uh, that we're doing. And, the, and of course, the cardiologists just say, well, we're just seeing a lot of AFib uh, lately, mm-hmm. right? They're not making any connections. Mm-hmm. They're not asking questions. Hey, you know, when did you get vaccinated? Did you get the COVID vaccine? And they're, these people, the, the, the cardiologists are not putting it together because they're not asking the questions. And when you're a cardiologist, you're just inundated with uh, this person has this, this person has that. And you're not writing down the statistics. I mean, it's it's very rare to find a cardiologist who's actually very methodical in, in tracking uh, these uptick in, in cases. Most people don't know. And it's subtle. You know, it could be a 20% increase. And so unless you're really paying attention and tracking it, you don't realize it. So this is happening in plain sight. Uh, people are realizing, but but it's just being sort of lost in the noise as a 10% or 20% or 30% increase. In some cases, it's quite dramatic. Uh, there is a... Uh, I got an, an EMT uh, uh, report uh, from the fire department in my local area uh, just uh, recently, and I'm, I'm going to try to I'll pull that up, and I'll, I'll give you what the numbers are. But some of these numbers are just um, uh, quite stunning. Well, it's it's I mean, it's breathtaking when you see what we're actually dealing with here. And when you talk about the doctors, um, you know, a lot of doctors are simply overwhelmed. They're not steeped in this, as you have been, certainly over the last couple of, year, of years. But also the more uncharitable explanation for this is that the cover-up continues. Congressman Tom Massey just uh, last week uh, put up an insurance document from, I believe it was Anthem, um, from about two years ago uh, during the debut of these shots. And basically the document is bribing doctors, individual doctors and practices to administer these shots. And the more shots, the more people in their practice vaccinated, the more money that they got. Um, and so if, if that in fact is the case that their doctor, everybody's doctor was being bribed bribe to uh, give as many shots as possible, then, you know, they're certainly going to look the other way because they are complicit in all of this, even if they don't know the dark origins of A, the virus, and B, these mRNA shots. Steve, please hang tight. A lot more ahead. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, Eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. 
Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, we are back with Steve Kirsch. You know, you mentioned, Steve, a couple of individuals that you know in your circle, stories, anecdotal evidence. I think back to very early when the shots just began to be given, Marvin Hagler, the boxer, got a shot or maybe two shots and like died instantly. And I remember his family came forward and blamed the mRNA shots and said he was perfectly healthy, got these shots, and now he's dead. And they were shut up so fast, your head spun. I don't know who got to them or what, but that family was shut down. Then I think, you know, you mentioned Diane Feinstein with the shingles. Shingles is a viral reaction, obviously. But John Fetterman, also a U.S. senator from Pennsylvania, he either got his second shot or a booster, and he had a stroke. And then Damar Hamlin literally died on national television. He collapsed, had a heart attack on the field for the entire world to see. But there are so many stories like this of major cardiac events, strokes, certainly blood clots, um, uh, people experiencing all kinds of cardiac events and so on. What is it in the mRNA shots causing blood clots that can then lead to heart attacks and strokes? Before we talk about the uh, uh, the blood clots and the uh... Uh, the strokes and the heart attacks. Let me just address the physicians being uh, bribed. Mm-hmm. So phys- uh, physicians, w- w- I'm going to be as as generous as I can. Physicians are being incentivized to quote, do the right thing, unquote, um, would be the, um, uh, the, the generous way of, of describing it. Uh, because the, uh, and, and I'll tell you, these doctors actually believe that these vaccines are safe and effective. I mean, they're, they're not doing it to kill their patients, right? Because they're t- the, the doctors themselves are taking the vaccines. They're a believer in the vaccines. In fact, the 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 the, the gentleman that I talked to you about earlier, um, who got the AFib after the first dose and the second dose, his son died after he got the vaccine. Shortly after he got the vaccine, and he has no doubt that his son died from the vaccine. But he's he's told that oh that's that's really rare, and your risk of dying from COVID is is much greater, and so it's the the lesser of two evils. And so this guy who's a very experienced doctor, who's not looked at any of the data is just trusting his colleagues that he's being told that, you know, Hey, we can fix AFib if you get it, but if you die from COVID, we can't bring you back. And so he's, he's completely discounting uh, the AFib. He's, he's discounting that his son died uh, from the vaccine and still to this day, he prescribes the vaccine to his patients because 
he's believing his peers. And so when physicians are incentivized here with these, uh, hey, if you get 95% of your patients vaccinated, you're going to get an extra, you know, whatever, $20 or $100 or $200. Um, I think that uh, they look at that as, uh, wow, they're just incentivizing me to do the right thing for my patients and and have them vaccinated. But the, the problem is that if you're really a responsible physician, you're going to uh, look at the data and demand to see the data. And the fact that they are hiding the death vax data from public view should be extremely troubling to every physician in the entire world. And so when people die, they should be making the records of when those people were vaccinated public and saying, you know, just like death records are, are public records. And in some states you can get them and in other states you can't, but we should be adding to the public record to the public death record. Uh, oh, this person was vaccinated with the COVID vaccines or, you know, here's the last three years of vaccination history. And then we would know, everybody would know. Now we actually have those records for Medicare and it shows that people are in fact dying at a much higher rate than they would be if they didn't get the shot. But the CDC is not making those Medicare records public, even though they could. And so it, and, and, they don't even have to make the Medicare records public. They could just say, hey, look, we looked at the Medicare records. These shots are not innocuous. They are impacting mortality. There is no doubt about it. And we should warn the American public about that. But they're completely looking the other way. They're pretending that the Medicare records uh, do not exist. And there's also something called vaccine safety data link. There's no doubt that that would show the same signal but of course, researchers who are looking for those signals are not allowed to access the vaccine safety data link because they don't want anyone to know for some reason. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that would be, mm -hmm. but it should enrage every physician, every legitimate physician in the entire world. They should be asking, hey, why aren't you showing us the Medicare data and why aren't you showing us the VSD data? Why is this data being kept under lock and key? If it's so safe, why don't you show it to us? And the vaccine manufacturers themselves should be saying, hey, look, we want to encourage people to get, to get the vaccines. You should be showing them that the vaccines are actually saving lives by showing them the vax, uh, the, the death uh, vax records of people who died and making these records public. But nobody, no drug company is calling for this. And of course, the reason they're not calling for it is they know that it would show that these vaccines are killing people in massive numbers. So back to the your original question of uh, blood clots and strokes is that what happens is that these vaccines, because they have these lipid nanoparticles, which are coated with polyethylene glycol, they can basically uh, get across the blood-brain barrier. And so they can get in all parts of your body, uh, including for females, they're the female reproductive organs, and, and of course the male reproductive organs as well. And uh, so they, they go everywhere. And basically they cause havoc. And 
So this is why people are having these strokes, having these blood clots, having these neuropathies, because it's kind of playing Russian roulette uh, to see where you're going to get inflammation and blood clots. And those can lead to uh, DVTs and pulmonary embolisms. Uh, They can lead to uh, uh, heart attacks uh, and strokes and cardiac arrest and so forth. And so you see someone like Damar Hamlin who claims, oh, it was commotio cordis. I'm finally going to reveal it for you. I've kept you in suspense the whole time. Um, that, That explanation doesn't make any sense because it would be virtually impossible from from a physics point of view to impart enough kinetic energy, which is one half mv squared. So velocity uh, is a big factor and people don't run very fast, but hockey pucks can go, I don't know, somebody's like 90 miles an hour. And the difference between somebody running into you, you're running and someone running into you, the relative speeds on those is very low. So the V is very small. So you can't get a sufficient one half MV squared. Plus they're, they have chest pads on them, which distributes the force. So you can't get, this is why uh, older athletes in, in football, in, in football, you, you basically don't get commotio cordis. And so if this guy is claiming that oh, I was just commotio cordis and he can't explain why he didn't just say that when Michael Strahan asked them that, uh, that question. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so anyway, but but the short answer, I, I'm kind of digressing here, but the short answer to your question is that what happens with these vaccines is the spike protein and, um, and probably also the lipid nanoparticles are causing uh, inflammation and blood clots. And the inf- it's the combination of the two that leads to uh, 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 these neuropathies, uh, these conditions, uh, uh, injuries to organs, and c- that can lead to death either by cutting off the blood supply. And then, then there, there are also these uh, uh, these clots. These uh, they're kind of like white when you when you look at them. But there are these fibrous clots that have only happened after the vaccines rolled out. They never happened during COVID. They never happen during a natural infection, but people, the, the, uh, um, uh, the funeral directors uh, and the embalmers specifically are seeing these fibrous clots and they only started seeing them after the vaccines rolled out. And these fibrous clots can be a foot long, two feet long, three feet long intact. And so never before, have surgeons been able to remove a an intact three foot clot, and sometimes it's in the living. Uh, more often, it's in the dead, and uh, and these clots are actually being uh, formed before the person dies, and, and is likely the cause of of killing them. So, lots of of mechanisms, but it's essentially playing Russian roulette, and you don't know whether it's going to be your brain that goes, your heart that goes, or your lungs that go. And it's just rolling the dice. And it's, you know, it's interesting that some people have no reaction to these shots. Other people have a mild uh, adverse event, maybe immediately after the shots, maybe as you say, a year, two years, three years down the road, and all of a sudden they're hit with something. Everybody is different because 
perhaps all of these batches were different. Maybe some people got stronger batches than others. We don't know. All right, please stand by. We've got more coming up with Steve Kirsch straight ahead. Okay, we're back again with Steve Kirsch. To your point about the corruption and the cover-up of the early data where, you know, these vaccines, along with the virus, this was all DARPA-directed. This was Department of Defense. That's their research arm developing all of this. So it wasn't like Pfizer and Moderna alighted on the scene at just the right moment. Like, hey, guys, we've got this vaccine technology. Oh, we just happen to have it. Looky here. Um, but also the cover-up of the ongoing data coming in, as, as you're talking about, because we're dealing with an experimental uh, technology. You know, previous traditional vaccines were all live or attenuated viruses. This is something completely different. Um, let's deal a little bit, Steve, with some of the, the other points of corruption here. The uh, powers that be changed the definition of vaccine, I think, three times in the last three years to accommodate this new mRNA technology. But also, they blacklisted the early treatments that we knew were effective, ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, maybe some others, because they wanted to channel everybody into the vaccines. Can you speak about that? Yeah, it's kind of like they demonized this. this the stuff that worked was were the early treatments. And George Farid and Brian Tyson have treated probably around 20,000 patients by now. And if they get them early enough, um, you know, before they're about to die, then nobody gets hospitalized or dies um, when they're on these treatments. And the CDC and the FDA basically ignored them. And the reason is that if there was an effective treatment for, for COVID, they never would have gotten the vaccines off the ground. And they really wanted to, to press for the vaccines to prevent it. So they basically turned their... Uh, they're back on these things. And then they tried to demonize uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and, and so forth uh, that are drugs that are, are very effective uh, against this virus. And so they made it out to be, oh, these drugs don't work at all and are useless and you shouldn't prescribe them. When in fact, there are all of these anecdotes of people getting these drugs and immediately turning around, you know, within 24 to 48 hours. Um, if that, that's a little bit hard to explain all of these coincidences. And, and also there were dozens and dozens and dozens of these independent trials and they were all different. They used different doses and so forth. And you could say, uh, well, some were low quality, but I don't think we've ever had like, 40 um, of these uh, 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 clinical trials and all 40 of them in, or you know, 39 or 38 out of 40 showed a positive uh, impact. I don't know of any case where you could say, ah, yeah, we had 40 separate uh, trials. They all showed a positive impact and the drug didn't work. I mean, it's, it's a little bit uh, silly to, to fathom uh, that. So there was uh, there was clearly a deliberate uh, effort to discredit this stuff uh, or to look the other way on early treatments. And so the tragic thing is that we had the magic bullet very early on in March of 2020 when we were first when they were first telling us, "Hey, stay out of the office, stay at home, 
at at that time we had the solution. We could have turned this thing into uh, basically very few people would have died if they had done the right thing. They chose to ignore it, and so we paid the price. Um, I wanted to to correct a couple of things that that looks like uh, Diane Feinstein has been out for uh, close to two months now, uh, not a year. I'm not sure where I I had read that. So. Yeah, that was my recollection is that it happened a couple of months ago. Um, and uh, the total cardiac arrest, and this is a memo uh, from Santa Clara County. It was uh, the city of San Jose um, uh, memo. Uh, is the annual fire department emergency medical services report. It came out April 11th. And on page eight of that um, uh, document, it shows that the, the, the number of cardiac arrests in, uh, say, uh, 20, 2017, 2018 was 546 in terms of these, uh, uh, these events uh, that the fire department responded to. And the number of events post-vaccine is, is uh, basically double that number. Yeah, now, I don't. I don't know how you can double the number of cardiac. I mean, you know, that's a that is a pretty significant. It's a doubling of the number of total cardiac arrests. It's staggering. It's staggering when you look at these numbers, but of course they're not being reported, certainly in the medical community, but also, I mean, certainly in the mainstream press, or as I call them, the propaganda press, the cover-up continues here. So we appreciate you bringing this to light. Um, I know, Steve, that you've got a number of lawsuits going, including uh, one in particular to hold medical journals accountable. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Mark Skidmore published a paper showing that... um there were, uh, I think it was like 278,000 uh, deaths uh, that he estimated in 2021 alone. And I, I spoke to him and I asked him, well, what do you think the number was for 2022? He said higher. And he said he estimated that it's probably half a million deaths. And, and that was from survey data. He asked people, hey, did you know, do you know someone uh, who died from COVID? Do you know someone who died from the COVID vaccine? He asked both questions. And the numbers were fairly comparable. Uh, but so he then uh, used various techniques to extrapolate and estimate what that means. And the reason surveys are interesting is because people are generally pretty good at determining when their friends die. You know, like if somebody in your family dies, you can pretty uh, well assess that. You know, you may not be able to, you know, people say all oh, surveys, um, uh, are inaccurate because if you survey people, some portion of America will say that the earth is flat. And that doesn't mean that it's flat. It just means that people are misinformed. But I actually don't know anyone, Monica, who says that a friend of theirs died and they actually didn't die. Mm-hmm. I've not run across that person. Uh, so, so, you know, you, know you, you don't die... Um, mildly, and you don't die, you know, it's it's kind of black or white on death. And people are relatively good about judging whether somebody died or not. And, and so then the only question is, well, can they make an assessment as to whether they died from the vaccine? And it turns out that 
um, a lot of people can because they'll get the vaccine. The typical thing is they get the vaccine and they're feeling really bad after they get the vaccine and they die 20, within 24 hours. And so they say, you know, likely uh, uh, caused by the vaccine. But the, the, the true test would be to say, hey, how many people do you know after they got died after they got the flu shot? Right. And I don't know anyone who died after they got the flu shot, but right. I do know a lot of people who died after they got the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so, but uh, I'm, I'm digressing because the, the important thing is Mark Skidmore did this survey to, to see what the perception of, of people was. And he said, okay, Hey, if the perception is right, then that means that we could, that we may have killed up to 278,000 people. Now, he didn't say that we did kill 278,000 people. He said, look, you know, these, these surveys are on the order of magnitude that are hundreds of thousands of people have been killed. And there should be a warning sign to us. And of course, Rasmussen reports uh, ran a very similar survey and found that uh, rep- among a- Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, their survey showed that equal numbers of people uh, who uh, died in the, the COVID group versus the COVID vaccine group. So they, they essentially replicated Skidmore's result to say that, hey, the number of deaths uh, from the COVID vaccine appear to be very similar to the number of deaths caused by COVID. In fact, the, the cure may be worse than, than the disease. So that was uh, that was further validation. But the the thing is that the journal, the medical journal, th- this this paper was w- sailed through peer review, and Mark Skidmore has written seventy papers. The paper sailed through through peer reviewed. It was published in the journal, and then people started complaining because they didn't like the the conclusion. They didn't like the fact that oh, this paper sh- paper in the medical literature shows two hundred seventy eight thousand Americans. Uh, have died from uh, the COVID vaccine. I mean, that's that is very destructive to to the narrative to say that hey, this, the U.S. government has killed in essentially two years. Uh, they have killed half a million Americans. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's that has never happened before. And um, and so they they complain to the journal that they're. There must be a way for you guys to retract this. And so the journal went on a fishing expedition. They sent all these interrogatories to Mark Skidmore asking him, hey, what about this? And what about this? And how come you didn't credit this person on the paper? And so forth. And he he answered all their questions. And then they said, well, we got we to gotta do something to retract this paper. And so they said, well, we didn't think the methodology was that good. I mean, da, 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 da. And then they, they had, so they had five different reasons. So this guy who basically has never had a paper retracted in his career, and he's written 70 papers. Now, all of a sudden, his paper, his latest paper has five fatal errors causing the journal to retract it. And five fatal errors were missed by all the reviewers. Mm. And, and the final fatal error is that it said that the journal said, well, the paper claimed that it was approved by the IRB, which is the Institutional Re- Review Board. And 
uh, the IRB actually said it was exempt from IRB approval, and therefore the IRB didn't approve the study. But the reality is that the IRB did approve the study and said it was exempt from IRB jurisdiction because it was just a survey, and surveys cannot harm human beings, and therefore uh, it's exempt. But you see, the survey could have been written in such a way that it, it might have harmed human beings, and so it had to be reviewed. And so the the technically correct way to have phrased that is the IRB approved the study as being exempt from IRB approval. And then they would have had a hard time uh, then saying that that was um, wrong. So instead, Mark just wrote in his paper that this was approved by the IRB under, and then he listed the approval number, uh, and it was. It was approved. It was it was approved by the IRB, and the the IRB said in its notation of approval is that it, the uh, the study is exempt uh, because it doesn't harm any human beings. But that was an, an assessment that has to be made by the IRB. So what Mark said was technically correct that it was IRB approved, and he just didn't add this extra thing. And by the way, that was approved because of blah. But that doesn't change the fact that it was approved. So the journal says, we're retracting it because you said it was approved. And even though it was approved. Mm. And so the, this just shows you that the journal is just uh, creating these reasons as excuses to uh, get the paper retracted. And then what's worse is that dozens and dozens of people uh, uh, objected to the retraction and they wrote into the ethics email address, ethics.reporting at uh, springernature.com. And there was no response. So nobody got a response. Everybody said, Hey, uh, you know, can you explain this? This appears to be corrupt. And ethics reporting at Springer Nature didn't respond. And the press office at Springer Nature didn't respond either. It's and just so, it's just unbelievable. Go corrupt. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, of yeah, course. They're, yeah, they're they're corrupt. There's no you know, doubt about it. So all of this corruption that we've been talking about between big government and the entire public health apparatus, Fauci, Burks, Redfield, Walensky, Borla at Pfizer, uh, big tech, big government, big pharma, all working in conjunction, the globalists, of course, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization. They're all working in concert over the last three years. Do you think do you think that this corruption was simply geared toward enriching and empowering all of these entities, or is there something darker going on here? Power and control, uh, expanding the security state and the big pharma state, stripping your freedoms away, global population control. Do you think there is something much bigger and darker going on? I, I, you know, I personally don't because I haven't seen any evidence of of this evil motive. I haven't seen the evil, uh, the doctor evil memo uh, to the minions to say, "Hey, you know, let's destroy everyone and let's uh, let's cripple America and and uh, uh, you know, our goal uh, is to uh, uh, depopulate America." I, I haven't seen any uh, evidence, any smoking gun evidence of that. And I think that the vast majority of people 
are doing this because they were told Tony Fauci said that the vaccine is the only way out. The only and everybody wanted a way out of COVID because it was killing people, and we wanted to end the lockdowns. And so everybody is rooting for hey. Uh, this is the way to end the lockdowns. And if we, if the vaccine works, then we can all go back to normal. And so everybody is, is basically, I wouldn't say everybody, but people are looking the other way. And Asim, Dr. Asim Mohatra, uh, uh, who's a UK cardiologist, very prominent UK cardiologist said it's, it's willful blindness. They're basically being told the only way you can live your life normally again is if that this vaccine works. And so when there are adverse events from the vaccine, number one, they're told by the CDC that these adverse events are very rare so that they're, they're just seeing anecdotes Mm -hmm. and they should just ignore the anecdotes because it's just them seeing it. Nobody else is seeing this. It's very rare, but these vaccines are saving lives and, if we can save hundreds of thousands of lives, yeah, maybe maybe a thousand people get injured or ten thousand people get injured, but we're going to be saving more lives than we're causing. Don't throw um, uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. Uh, just look the other way. You know, it, it, there there's this underlying message of just look the other way. It's an anecdote. Trust us. This thing is safe. We're saving lives here and uh, don't talk about it. So if you see people with uh, uh, atrial fibrillation, you see people dying from brain hemorrhaging, you see people dying of strokes, you see people dying from cardiac arrest and they're dying at higher numbers. Just think about how many many lives we're saving from COVID and look the other way. And that's kind of the hidden message. And I think this is what people are following and, and there are some people who actually believe that all of this stuff that they're seeing, these shingles cases, these turbo cancers, that they're being caused by something else. And because they're told that the vaccines are thoroughly tested and safe and effective, even though in the Pfizer phase three trial, it was 31%. You were 31% more likely to die if you were in the vaccine group mm-hmm. than if you were in the placebo group. In other words, the vaccine was 31% more likely to kill you. And Pfizer said, oh, yeah, 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 31% increase, but that that's no problem because there were small numbers. It wasn't statistically significant, which is true. It was that the numbers were small enough that they didn't have statistical significance on this. And they said, none of these deaths were judged to be caused by the vaccine. And so Pfizer was basically saying, trust us, none of these deaths were caused by the vaccine. But you see, Pfizer never did the assays that are required to prove whether or not the vaccine caused the death. They never did the work. They should have, they have the assays to be able to um, definitively determine whether the vaccine caused the 21 deaths in the group that got caught, got the vaccine. They never did the tests. So they just said, trust us. We're not going to do the test because 
you should just trust us. I mean, it is that is it's unbelievable that the FDA let them get away with that saying, hey, trust us. It was the opinion of the investigators that none of these were vaccine related and you can trust us. We don't need to do the definitive tests on any of these people because you don't really want to know, do you? (laughs) And that and wink, wink. Um, And that is how we get a vaccine, which is super deadly, is because the FDA never said, hey, can we see the histopathology on the 21 people who died just to make sure that the vaccines didn't cause the death? The, the, um, uh, they're, they're, they're looking the other way. Well, I'm not quite as uh, generous and charitable as you are. My instincts are almost always right. Now, obviously, I don't have any evidence. We haven't seen a smoking gun. But I I think all of this was coordinated for a very nefarious uh, reason here. I don't think any of this was a mistake. I don't think any of this was incompetence. I think this was all by design. We've got to hit this quick break, but we will be back with so much more. But first, though, you know, you guys have heard me talk about Birch Gold for a while as we talk about the economy and raging inflation. Well, now is the time to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath, and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important, right? The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it so easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Monica to 989-898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, gold and silver. And the best part is it's tax sheltered. So text Monica to 989-898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text MONICA to 989-898 today. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with our final moments here with Steve Kirsch. Now that we are where we are with billions of people with these shots in their systems all over the world, what do you want them to know about, number one, their health, but also the ability to sue the pharmaceutical companies or even the government for vax injury or death? I want you to know that uh, you shouldn't believe anything I say. You should go and check out what I say and see if it's true or not. The data is all there. The data is in plain sight. And all this data makes no sense unless the vaccines are killing massive numbers of people. And then the data starts to make sense. And so what I would say to people is that once you're open 
to questioning the long-held beliefs that you've had throughout your life that the government is on your side and the CDC's job is to protect Americans. Once you open up your thinking to be able to question whether or not what you've been told is true or not, then you're able to suddenly make sense of the data. And, and I encourage you to look directly at the data because the doctors are not doing that. And there is a reason that the CDC is hiding the data. And there is a reason that the drug companies never did those required studies to prove that the 21 people didn't die from the vaccine who died in, in the Pfizer phase three trial. There's a reason for that. And you should ask the drug companies or the histopathology on the 21 people who died. And if they don't produce that, if they don't produce that, then you should say, hmm, 31% higher chance of death if you got the vaccine. I think I'll pass unless you can show me evidence to the contrary. Because there's a principle in medicine called the precautionary principle of medicine that says, hey, on its face, if the vaccine looks like it's killing 31% more people, you better be able to explain that. Otherwise, because we should take that at face value until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so far, these people have never proven otherwise. Final, final question for you, Steve. I have been calling on this show for a long time for a COVID accountability project. A couple of months ago, Elon Musk announced that he was interested in putting together a commission of some type to get to the bottom of the actual collusion between big government, big tech, big pharma to suppress the truth. Um, I, you know, I, I don't even care what, you know, how it develops, whether it's congressional or independent or Musk or whatever it is. All I know is that these villains uh, from Fauci, Burks, Redfield, Walensky, Borla, all the way across big tech, they have to be held accountable based on everything you just laid out, the, the loss of life, the vaccine injury, the crushing of our economy, small businesses, people lo- losing their livelihoods, all really based on so many lies. Do you think that we will ever see accountability for all of these characters who have put us through hell unnecessarily for the last couple of years? Well, the answer to that is I hope so. But I also know that they haven't been held accountable for autism. And autism has been around for a very long time, and it only started after the vaccines rolled out. And that's, a, that's an interesting coincidence. And I talked to the parents of autistic children, and they tell me these stories of, you know, how did you, when did your son develop autism? And, and he said, well, like in the parking lot, you know, we started seeing symptoms in the parking lot after he got the, this, uh, uh, w- one of the vaccines. <laughs> and you hear, you hear these stories over and over again, um, where all of these things just started right after or very soon after they got the vaccines. And, we heard stories about the CDC um, uh, staff members being directed to destroy all data linking vaccines and autism. I mean, so the point is that, that this corruption 
has been happening for a very long time in the case of autism. And the corruption has been happening even longer for fluoridated water. I mean, that's been going on for about 60 years where the CDC uh, says, oh, one of its major accomplishments is the fluoridation of, of drinking water in the United States. And in fact, all of the science says that fluoridation of drinking water has led to uh, reduction in, in IQ points and has had no benefit whatsoever whatsoever in, in terms of reducing cavities. And so there's no question that, the, uh, that this is a very bad uh, intervention uh, and, and should have been stopped decades ago. Uh, and in fact, in, in Europe, they don't fluoridate their water and they actually have lower uh, incidence of dental cavities than in the United States. And it's all due to gen- dental hygiene. There's nothing to do with fluoridation of the water, but this has been a sacred cow. And, and still to this day, I mean, I went, I was just at the CDC and I talked to the, the, the museum director and I said, Hey, you put up fluoridation of water. Um, it's been around for 60 or 70 years as a major CDC accomplishment, but you should look at the science. And, and, and she said, no, no, it's, it's, it's reduced cavities and I'm not going to, I'm not going to even look. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that you run up against is you have people who are so vested in their belief system that they will not take an objective look at the facts. And so the, the very fact that floor, that fluoridation in the water, which is, I think been going on for at least 60 years, um, has not been addressed, uh, suggests that, yes, it could be a very long time before we get the, the fluoride out of the drinking water in the United States. It'll be a very long time before they, they, the CDC recognizes autism. And it may be uh, you know, uh, decades before they acknowledge that these vaccines had killed half a million Americans. Now, something that would significantly accelerate that and change everything is if, if it's Robert F. Uh, Kennedy Jr. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Kennedy um, uh, Jr. Is, um, uh, is elected president. And um, I, that, would, that would dramatically accelerate the progress here. Yeah, and you know what? Because then he would I... put in a, a, a real legitimate uh, head of the CDC. Yes, 100%. But you know what? He doesn't even have to be elected president for that to happen. I mean, obviously, you need a president who's overseeing the entire executive branch to do that. But I think he's going to make a huge contribution to the discussion on this uh, as we go forward into 2024. So even if he's not the Democratic nominee or elected president, I think he is going to open up a lot of avenues for discussion and the facts and and the truth, which is what we've done with you uh, here today. And Steve, I I can't thank you enough for taking the time because this has been such a journey for all of us and certainly you. And you have uh, poured so much of yourself into exposing the truth over the last couple of years. We thank you for your courage and your leadership. I know it's ongoing and everybody should be reading your work at Steve Kirsch. 
K-I-R-S-C-H, stevekirsch.substack.com. He's doing incredible work there. And the website, VACSAFETY, V-A-C, VACSAFETY.org, for all of the information that we have so far and all of the stuff that we described and, and discussed here with Steve. So you need to be informed as we go forward because, you know, this was not the last pandemic. I'm sure they got the next one teed up, maybe for next year, for the next election year. So you've got to arm yourself with the facts and the truth. Steve, you are fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Monica. It's, it, and, and thank you for uh, providing a platform to enable uh, people to, to speak out and uh, being true to uh, the mission that you laid out in your very first uh, broadcast to expose the truth. Well, I really appreciate the kind words. That's why we're here, Steve. And that's why you and I both do what we do. So we appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Well, that has been a very important show that we just uh, did with Steve Kirsch. So, you know, COVID is not over and the ramifications and consequences of these mRNA shots are definitely not over. So I do want to do these shows now and again to bring you the facts and the truth so that you are really armed with what you need going forward. Okay, so I'm really happy that you are here. Big shows coming up on Wednesday and Friday. You're not going to want to miss a second of that. Have a great start to your week, and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian.